Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Duo podcast. It is just myself here today because Jaxie is away on work. He is over in Bangkok having the time of his life, apparently doing some sort of work as well. But we continue nonetheless. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for all your messages that you have sent in. We had a great week on the waivers last week, so hopefully you picked up some of them options, either in Game Week 10 or even Game Week 9. A couple of them mid-term holes worked out well this week, so hopefully you got a piece of that pie. If you took the L, or even if you're top of your table, hopefully we can help you improve move up the table or remain in that top spot we're going to follow the same suit as always we're going to look from the bottom of the fixture ticker all the way up look at the relevant teams and integrate them questions that you have asked into the discussion around the teams look at some waiver options and then finish up with our waiver suggestions break down the waiver suggestions into position then look at possible waiver suggestions in different size leagues so 8 to 10 10 to 12 and 12 plus we'll also try and rank them and maybe give you the best options short term and long term first thing i want to do is i want to plug our survey i know a lot of people have probably heard about this but if you haven't done it please do it is going to be in the link and it tells us it's very quick i must mention that it's literally two minutes but um tells us about how you play the game and helps us help you we want to make your decisions as informed and as easy as possible. So by doing that, you help us out. Also, bonus question, there is the T12 sign-up. So we are over halfway. Again, T12 is an integrated draft league that you can work your way up the rankings. For more information, go over to our Instagram and Twitter. We only play half seasons. Come game week 19, it's going to be over. And we're going to be starting the second half of the season. So if you want to get involved in that, Go over to Instagram for more information and that sign up link is in the description. Final plug before we get started. Podcast called Chasing the Upside. And essentially it's about, as he calls it, Ben, the host, living the FPL life. And it doesn't really matter what sort of arrow you got that week. It's always a good listen. And we will hopefully, I think it's next week, our episode is going to be out. Could be this Thursday, following Thursday. We'll let you know on Twitter give it a listen you will get to know myself and Jaxie a small bit more why we started the pitch page why we love it and uh yeah bit of crack so when that is out make sure to give it a listen as i said we had some successful waivers this week so for some of the results go check out our twitter and instagram we post up midterm holes players to get rid of players to get in as well as we do on the podcast but we do it a bit more visually i suppose and uh yeah i suppose you can track or track record pardon the pun on twitter and instagram so go over give us a follow one of the main things that you need to follow us on twitter for is stuff like injuries stuff like returning suspended players which we'll try and update on twitter and instagram as much as possible so we're going to start there we're going to talk about all the returning players that came back game week 10 and might be possibilities or affect things in game week 11 i might have my teacher hat on here but i suppose the podcast will kind of come full circle introducing the players that are returning and players are suspended will influence i suppose teams for the week we'll then look at specific teams not all of them but points about particular team statistics fixtures and then in the waivers it's kind of going to wrap that up 
So some of the suggestions we're going to mention in the waivers, we'll say like, as we said when we talked about that team, and it will hopefully give you a better overview of why you want to pick that player. So, returning players. Awoni came on, played 21 minutes last weekend. Eze and Alise, possibly back after the international break, game week 13. We'll also talk about them in the waivers. And Kunku is the same. Cresswell came back, started, played the majority of the game. Johnson for Spurs is back, played 26 minutes, I believe. Wambasaka might feature game week 11, possibly more than likely 12. Mudrik had picked up a small injury game week 10 and will hopefully back game week 11. Foster for Burnley came down with an endless game week 10, so hopefully back game week 11, they have a lovely run of fixtures. Stupidan, possibility for game week 11, but more than likely game week 12. Neto for Bournemouth, question on him as well, keeper, and what to do with him. Luis Diaz, that ridiculous situation. He didn't play game week 10. I've been following it through um, Fabrizio, and apparently his dad is still missing. So I presume until that's sorted, and a couple of weeks after, you know, to process the whole thing, he'll be out. So there's no return date on it. I would monitor that whole situation. I'm presuming he's out for game week 11, if not game week 12 and 13. But again, keep up to date on that one. Jesus hamstring injury. There was no time for him. I think that was the quote. We can't give a time frame. Roughly maybe four weeks for the hamstring. That would bring us up to game week 14, maybe game week 15. That's also key to know when we talk about strikers in the waiver section. Adoji just missed out on game week 10. I think there was a late fitness test, so more than likely back game week 11. Neto unfortunately picked up that injury for Wolves. Looks like four to six weeks. Look like, you know, hamstring pull. Depends what grade. So fortunately, if you're a Neto owner, doesn't look good for the next couple of weeks. And just as I started recording, I seen that Botman had another setback. So Botman may be longer term. I know it was already like a couple of weeks extra, but I think it could be like after Christmas, but don't quote me on that. But I think we're waiting for an update that it may be longer term, if not long term. I know this doesn't seem like there's a difference there, but there is. Players that are suspended, which will come into the waiver section, are Paqueta and Alvarez. Also, to note, a couple of players are very close to five yellow cards, which we'll talk about. But Paqueta and Alvarez are officially suspended for West Ham next game week. So, that's going to open the door for one or two more players. Well, definitely two, if not three players for West Ham. Also, to note, during the week, there is some cup games. A lot of Premier League teams involved. Some of them playing each other. West Ham play Arsenal, Chelsea play, I think it's Blackburn, Bournemouth play Liverpool, Everton play Burnley, Fulham play, and United play Newcastle. So again, always monitor minutes, especially injuries as well. Starting off and looking at the fixture ticker. For the third week in a row, we start with Chelsea. And I think Chelsea are getting a special mention just because they're bottom the last three weeks. Hopefully that will change slightly over the next couple of weeks. And we know that they have a good fixture swing in 16 to 21. So that's key to note. Now, the problem is, I think the only two options for Chelsea with these poor fixtures are Palmer and Sterling. When it changes to game week 16 or maybe a week or two beforehand, yeah, we can start looking at other options. But for now, Palmer and Sterling 
personally are my only two picks. And I think we ranked Sterling and then Palmer last week. I think that has to switch round. Palmer looked phenomenal in the first half. He looked like the heart of Chelsea. Played in a number 10 role and played with a lot of freedom. I think he was very unlucky not to return. He racked up one exactly XGI without returning. He also made a big chance for Cucurella, who we'll talk about. But he's been confirmed on penalties. And I think until we see something different, until we see maybe Sterling take a penalty, he has to be higher than Sterling. Not only because of that penalty factor, but because he's also on set pieces. Racked up some good stats over the weekend. Four key passes, one big chance created, two shots off target, on penalties, and playing in a more free role than Sterling. Looked very confident, was bossing players around. FPL General mentioned it on his podcast this week, but I also noticed it in the game myself, where there was an incident where... Jackson didn't make a run and Palmer was essentially saying like what are you doing like got to make this run and, and dictating essentially and that is a big thing to do coming Newton to a club as a young player but he's come from City so he's had the best coaching Palmer looks like the number one pick and I think him and Sterling are the only two that are fixture proof from that Chelsea team everyone else it'd be a bit of a push holding them there's a lot of rotation they're not that good at the back so you have to look at the attacking players and they're the only two that look to me like they're nailed. Now there may be one other player that we'll talk about in the future but that will be nearly the last person. The only other player that I'd be looking at in the future is Cucurella. Cucurella played as essentially a wingback in that Chilwell role. Racked up 0.59 expected goals. That was from Palmer's chance. So Palmer created that big chance for Cucurella. I think he took it on his right foot. I was watching it as a non-Pammer owner in normal fantasy and was thinking, oh no, this is a goal. So Cucurella is getting into some good positions. If he's still in the team come game week maybe 14, I would be looking to get him in early. But until then, we'll just monitoring. So very hard to keep any other player apart from those two in that tough run of fixtures, which include Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton and United. Maybe coming to the end of them fixtures, as I said, we'll start looking at other players and maybe the team is settled a bit more and some more options are apparent. But until until then, I'd be looking at them too. Moving on up to the fixture ticker, Villa are fourth from bottom. So they've been kind of dropping gradually after they've gone through them easier fixtures, but they still have three good fixtures in the next four. That is followed by City and Arsenal. Through that survey, we've realised that, you know, 80 if not 90% of people play a full season so we're going to be looking long term here and I think we're not going to be looking at assets like we do in normal FPL normal FPL we can hop on and hop off short turnaround fixtures or fixture kind of sets you know maybe three four or five game weeks in a row and then get them back if we need to but obviously the draft is longer term and it's not as easy to get particular players back. So looking at assets from Aston Villa, we're going to be looking at them in the longer term. Not just the next three or four and their fourth from bottom. So this is kind of deceiving in a way because Villa are playing phenomenally currently. And I wouldn't be put off by them over the next five game weeks. I've zoomed out a good bit and I've looked at them over the next 15 game weeks. And in them 15 game weeks, there's only five fixtures that 
seem relatively tough. That maybe if you have an, uh, an attacker or a striker midfielder, that it might be tough to score. Now, note that United are in there twice in them five. So that might actually be reduced down to three. So essentially that would be the City and Arsenal games that come up in, I think it's four game weeks time. Three game weeks time. Apart from that, for the next 15 game weeks essentially, you have fixtures that Villa could score two, you know, two plus goals in every one of them. That's obviously an exaggeration, but looking at any one of them individually this season, you'd expect Villa to at least score. Now, what does that tell us for the FPL assets? Well, obviously, if you're looking at the likes of Diaby, he's a long-term hold. You know, I wouldn't be just hopping off when it comes to City and Arsenal and just trying to hold the fixtures. Obviously, Watkins, um, even Cash. I know Cash might have been disappointing last week, got the clean sheet this week, but I'd still be looking at him for the whole season. He could be one of them, like, nailed players in your defence all season. Pick or <laughs> set and forget. Sorry, pick and stick, whatever you want to call it. The only problem in terms of Villa is that there was kind of a lack of waiver options. Talked about Zaniolo slash Bailey last week, and it was literally Zaniolo slash Bailey. They both got 45 minutes. Now, Zaniolo looked decent in the first half and actually picked up a yellow card, but was unlucky not to come away with something. I know they were playing Luton, but I'd be staying away. I know they seem like the kind of main two rotating players that you could get into Villa's side through but I would be probably staying away because not worth risking you know 45 to 60 minutes on these players if we can't see a trend of one of them nailing down a position if I knew Zaniolo was going to play 70 75 minutes I think he's a good pick you know until then he's not great there is going to be a lot more options on the waiver so you know tune in to the end to see who you see who we get so we move on up to West Ham who are 6th from bottom but I think this is skewed a bit because although they're kind of relatively down the bottom they have some very good fixtures Brentford away Forest at home Burnley away Palace at home Spurs away Fulham away so you know looking at them the only ones I can see or would look to so that they wouldn't score is Spurs the rest you know you'd be liking to start and You'd be liking to start. You'd like to start a West Ham player and, you know, be hopeful of some sort of return. So they don't have bad fixtures in terms of attack, but in defence, West Ham have been very poor. They are fifth from bottom in terms of XG, CX, expected goals conceded this season. And like the teams below them are the likes of, you know, Bournemouth, Luton, Sheffield, Burnley. That's I think that's the actual four that are below them. And again, when you look at teams like that, you are nearly expecting a return. So West Ham might be a good team to target this year so far based on our current statistics. They also had, prior to this game week, they had the highest expected chances conceded. That might have changed since then, but they are allowing a lot of chances. They are sitting back deeper than I thought they would. So what does that mean for their assets? Well, we talked already about Paqueta and Alvarez being out. So... That opens up the door for two more starters, obviously. Suchek, who was left out, surprisingly, last week, is nearly certain to come back in. And possibly Ben Rama at the left wing spot. Paqueta played left wing, actually was very good. Ben Rama maybe to come in left wing. 
He looked decent when he came on, got a lovely shot away on target. So I predict them two to start next weekend for West Ham. Kudos started for the first time and looked very impressive. I think if they want to improve, he has to nail down a position. But it's just a pity about Europe that maybe they will change because of Europe and trying rest players and so on and so forth. If West Ham weren't in Europe, Kudos would be an unbelievable pick. I think, I still think he's a very good pick. And I still think he's number one possibility of a waiver on the West Ham side. Second, I know I said that they have a poor XGC. But Cresswell is back into the team. Started last week, as I said. Um, and he's on some set pieces, which we'll talk about what effect that has in a second. But on some set pieces, he might help shore up West Ham a bit better. But he does have a very good whip. They do have some good fixtures. And let's say that, you know, you'd expect them to turn it around defensively over the next couple of game weeks. And if they do, and Cresswell maybe is involved in some attacking threat, he could be a good option. Third, obviously, in the waivers this week would be Ben Rama. It's probably going to be a very short-term pick for him. And when Paqueta comes back, Paqueta will fit right in there. So maybe if you're looking for a one-week punt, Ben Rama might be a good shout. The fact that Cresswell is back and he's on set pieces has a significant impact on James Ward-Prowse. Initially at the start of the season he was playing as like number 10 and getting very advanced up the pitch, returned very well on essentially all set pieces. But since then what's happened is he's dropped an awful lot deeper and he's not on all set pieces. Now that Cresswell is back, Cresswell actually took some corners and some free kicks. Now I know that, you know, when you're outside the box, you, you know James Ward-Prowse is going to have a shot. But like some of them in-swinger free kicks, they're important as well. So James Ward-Prowse himself has reduced in value big time, I would say. And I know they have them nice fixtures coming up. He is a set-and-forget player. And you shouldn't really be worrying about fixtures too much. But if he's not on them free kicks and he's not playing as high... I think it might be a good enough time to trade. He has still relatively a good trade value because of them fixtures. And again, all them things we mentioned, his probability of returning has reduced slightly since Cresswell has come back. So maybe, you know, you want to upgrade James Ward-Prowse slightly. But again, depends who you get. The fact that he's on set pieces and West Ham are relatively good in the air always stands to him. My fear would be that even if he loses 30% of his set pieces, well, that reduces his chances of returning significantly. One of our first questions that we are going to talk about is regarding Spurs. And the question was on Sar. Should he get rid of Sar? And who should he get rid of him for? He's given me four options here. Smith Rowe, Bentoncourt, Garner and Palinia of Fulham. Up until now, Spurs were fairly set in their starting eleven. But a lot of players are returning, especially in midfield. The likes of uh, Gill and Bentancourt, as well as Johnson, who we'll talk about. The thing about Spurs is I think Basuma seems the most set in midfield. He's controlling the play. I'm not saying Sar is going to get dropped straight away, but I think Basuma is less likely to get dropped than Sar. If you look at the actual average positions of everyone for Spurs the last day, it was mad to see. Essentially, Basuma was on the, the middle of the centre circle. And there was a perfect circle of players around him. 
that he was the kind of center they're controlling. I think that if someone's going to get rotated or the minutes are going to get reduced, it's going to be Sir. Now, I still don't think he's a fantastic FPL pick anyways. So if I was looking at these four players, first of all, Smith Rowe, yes, he got some game time over the weekend, but I think Odegaard's going to come back in there. Benton Core, yes, might come in for Sir, but again, not the greatest FPL pick, especially over the short term when we don't know he's going to play. So I'd be immediately looking to Garner and Polinia. Obviously, in a big league, this person is in a 16-manager league. You need nail players. You need players that are going to get two and three points every day. I know that sounds mad, but if we're going for Ben Tenkor and he doesn't start, Smith Rowe doesn't start, you're on zeros and you're on ones. So these two, first of all, are more nailed. Garner has actually been very impressive. Palinia, we know what he's like. Very, very liable for a yellow card. He's actually slightly overperforming his stats this season. He's banged two goals. He's a great striker of the ball. Banged one last week on some set pieces for a team that has some um, decent aerial threat in Fulham. They'll always be looking to aerial threat to score, but liable. I think he should have been sent off actually at the weekend. So always liable for yellow, always liable even for a red. When I looked at James Garner, this could be an option in the waivers. He actually imp impressed me with his stats. He's actually slightly underperforming. Now, it's only by four points. Expected 34 points and he's got 30. But his other stats, 1.34 chances created per 90. And 0.68 shots in the box per 90, which I was very impressed by. Not that they're world beater stats, but I thought James Garner was, you know, a throwaway pick. So even if you're in a big league, James Garner might be a good option. And we'll look at him and where we rank him in the waivers. So based on that question, if I had to pick from them four, I would go with Garner. Moving on to Burnley. And Burnley are fairly high up the fixture ticker. They have a good run of fixtures over the next five, six, seven. Question was, Mateta and Amdouni. Who are better forward options? That's who he has, Mateta and Amdouni. Are Klasinic and Maupe better options? I'm probably butchering that name as always, but we know who we're talking about, the Wolves striker. So I'm going to talk about two options in the waivers, but looking at these four, first and foremost, we know that Neto has picked up an injury. Now, if we look at that and how that affects Wolves in general, I think that's obviously negatively going to affect everyone. You know, even uh, He Chan... The only person that might benefit is Klasinic because he might get in the team. But I think everyone's overall output is going to be negatively affected. I think he was carrying them and he was the kind of spark that gave them confidence this year. Apart from that, I think this is the only player that benefits. But if I had to rank these, I would probably be getting rid of Mateta. I know he was a good option a couple of weeks ago, but Edward is back. Palace don't look that great in terms of attack and threat, especially Mateta. So I would probably look to get rid of Mateta first and foremost. If we look at them other two players, Klasnic and Maupe, who we referenced. Yes, Klasnic might hold down a place quicker than Maupe because Neto's injury. We know Cunha is going to play up top and is he, maybe he's going to play in the 10 and Klasnic up top. But he hasn't played more than 14 minutes this year. So I would be very hesitant as to see how fit he is. Will he play 60-70 minutes? I don't think so. But if we look at Maupe, Maupe came on, got an assist. But the problem with Maupe is that Brentford like to switch up their tactics very often. They often play two up top with uh, wingbacks, with Wissa and Embuemo. 
But when they play 4-3-3, Maupe can play a left wing or play up top with uh, on, the, on the wing. I think Klasnic is a bit more of a probability of nailing down a consistent place. So I would probably go for Klasnic in terms of hoping that he plays up top long term and is kind of the number one striker. If you're going for Maupe, expect benchings based on, you know, the way that they set up. So if we had to look at Amdouni then, yes, Amdouni, I would like to think is a better option than all of them, but what we're seeing is inconsistent minutes. Only got 45 minutes last day. Foster back from injury. That would that would have alarm bells ringing for me. Is company saying that Foster is number one and Amdouni second, and Amdouni now gets the rotation starts? His fixtures are better than the lot of them. So if Anduni could nail down a position, yes, he'd be the best option. But it looks to me like maybe Foster up top and Anduni then um, as a backup. If I had to say what to do there, Mateta out. That's the number one. Um, I probably hope and pray that Klasnic gets the starting position and nails it down. I, I'd be hesitant to give away Amdouni because he's played the most minutes out of all of them. And if he does get in and stays consistent, like even 60 minutes for, for Burnley, he has the best fixtures. Maupay, I think, is going to be in and out of that team. Yeah, and Maupay, he got a yellow card, wasn't even on the pitch. I think he's a bit of a meme player. So I'm probably looking to get Mateta out and keep Amdouni. If I had to rank the Burnley players, since we're on the Burnley section, obviously Foster is number one. Two players that we're going to talk about, especially on the waivers, are Brownhill and Colliosho. Brownhill is one of the more nailed players for that Burnley run of fixtures, which include Palace at home, Arsenal, poor fixture, West Ham, Sheffield, Wolves, Luton and Brighton. So some very nice attacking fixtures in there. And we know that Brent, or Burnley can score. If I had to rank them again, I'd put Brownhill number two and Colliosho number three reason I do that is because Brownhill is more nailed, long-term, you know, 90-minute man. Also on corners. Julio although is an exciting player, has been rotated a bit this year, but takes up a high average position, especially in the last game, right wing. He was the most advanced player for Burnley, by a good bit. If he can nail down a place, he will be a good pick in maybe a larger size league over the next five, six game weeks. If I'm doing, he could get consistent minutes, he'd definitely be up there but I'd just be worried about his minutes. Moving on to United, and there's been a good few questions in about United. Also some waivers. A lot always going on United because they have them good fixtures, and I suppose a lot of their players are available and they seem like kind of high-value assets if they play. First question is about Bruno. Do I trade Bruno? Is it time to get rid? Now, Bruno's on yellow, uh, four yellow cards. That's very important to know. I saw a post from Andy Martin and he says that Bruno could possibly get a yellow against Fulham so that he is suspended against for the next game against Luton because it's an easy fixture. Now I know that's kind of conspiracy theory but I could see that happening. The only issue about that is that United are a bit of a crisis. I think it's because of you know the team selection and some of the results, especially the demolishing against City. But I don't think they can afford something like that to happen. Bruno just to get a yellow card. Because I know it's Luton, but can't be going into games overconfident. In terms of his stats, Bruno is obviously highly underperforming his XGI this season. In a poor United side. That's the biggest issue. I think everyone around him has also been underperforming. 
we'll talk about other options and what you should do with them but Bruno's current situation I suppose is that he's a very low value for what he should be he is coming into some decent fixtures but he's now four yellow cards it's like juggling is he is he a good pick is he a bad pick I still think Bruno is a decent pick now when you trade someone like Bruno you have to look at all the avenues to points Bruno is a first round pick so people are always going to remember that and have that in the back of their head that they get a first round pick or maybe they don't want to trade because he's a first round pick he has penalties we know that for sure so even if he's playing poorly he has the option or has the route to points through penalties and not many players have that if we look at the amount of players that have penalties in the game it's like 20 to 25 might be like 27 even 30 this year with all the rotation but you're narrowing all them players down that take penalties and that's an easy route to points i know they could miss it but you want someone that's on penalties the likes of even douglas louise who's not usually a great fpl pick apart from penalties is a pick and stick this year because of penalties so you have to take that into consideration he's probably going to get maybe three or four returns this year from pens alone and you'd like to think that he'll level out his xgi over the next couple of game weeks so when you are thinking of a trade you should write out the pros and cons his ceiling how high how likely is he to haul on any given day fixtures his value or his theoretical value and penalties is going to be brought into that especially if you're trading a player with penalties for a player without you're always kind of going to be up against it so there are things that i would consider when you are trading bruno if we look at other players there was another question about odegaard or rashford worth noting that i have hoyland and jesus as well so another question took hoyland into consideration as well and we look at both of them at the same time should i give up on hoyland and if we look at hoyland specifically first hoyland has had a 1.6 expected goals this season so obviously hasn't returned at all so he's underperforming big time he was one of united's best performers against city and has been decent has been decent over the last couple of game weeks so i wouldn't give up hope on hoyland first of first and foremost i think he will come good as united hopefully will improve if we look at rashford in that question apart from halland rashford has the second most shots in the premier league this season but he's only got one goal obviously he's underperforming if he's taken that many shots he's had a xg of 3.5 but only scored one goal now i'm not saying to don't give up on rashford either but if i look at that question again and i look at odegaard or rashford and he has hoyland and jesus if i had to pick two of them i'd pick odegaard and hoyland now i presume he's going to keep hoyland and jesus i'd still rather odegaard hoyland and jesus if i had to pick between odegaard and rashford as i said i'd pick odegaard because i think odegaard is going to be more consistent I know he got the bench in last week, but he's also possibly on pins or will rotate on pins. And Arsenal are by far the better side. So I would probably go for Odegaard on that one. So on that, we'll go straight into the waivers. Someone has asked about a netto replacement. Now, worth noting that I would target Bournemouth big time because they don't look great they have a sub keeper in there but i wouldn't go for this question i wouldn't go radu radu is the replacement keeper for netto i wouldn't just go a straight swap 
and hope you know to, to gain some points that way this season there's uh, there's not a lot of keepers I think the only option really here there's two options possibly first one is uh, for Bergen for Brighton might be available because he's been rotated this is the only thing that or the only time that De Zerbe roulette might help us out I know Steele has played the last two games and uh, if you see the rotation or see the trend it's like on off on off so maybe you could hope that Verbruggen plays the next game. Now, what you could possibly hope for is that Turner gets dropped. Turner has been shaky this season, particular times. He has made some good saves, but he's also looked dodgy. And we saw that with Salah goal, the Salah goal. I don't know what the hell he was at. If that is a, a catalyst for him getting dropped... The new keeper that they signed, Flachodemus, I think that's how you say the name. They signed from Benfica, as far as I know, could get his going goal. I was surprised that he didn't sooner. I thought once he'd been signed and maybe Turner made a couple of mistakes, he'd be in there. This could be the catalyst that gets him in there. Now, what you have to assess when you make this decision is, what's or who's your other keeper? If you have a non-playing keeper and Neto... I don't think the risk kind of matches the reward. Because if you go for and hope for this replacement this week and it doesn't happen, well, then you're left with two non-playing keepers. So you kind of have to understand that gamble. If you do keep Neto, they actually have a decent enough run from game week 14 to game week 18. But is it a big enough risk? Is getting rid of Neto for someone who might actually get in and might not a big enough risk or a big enough reward to go for it? For me, it probably isn't. Now, if you have a playing keeper and you want to take a chance at, you know, Vlachodemus getting in, I think that's it, um, getting in this week and making a nice call, yeah, maybe. But at the same time, it's very unlikely. It's very hard to predict, especially a stray keeper swap. Now, the only thing I'm going off is that mistake. And is that the catalyst that initiates it? Possibly so. But it depends on your second keeper. If you have a normal second keeper or playing second keeper, maybe it's a shout. If you're sick of Bournemouth and you're sick of Neto. But other than that, I probably wouldn't go for the risk. On to our defender section of the waiver. As always, we're going to break it down in 8 to 10, 10 to 12, and 12 plus size leagues. We're going to rank them as well and hopefully kind of give you a better understanding of maybe who you should target before other players. And in the 8 to the 10 category, we have two players. First choice that I would probably put down is Kanate. So if you're in a smaller league, Kanate might be available. He has now kind of cemented himself as the first choice centre-back for Liverpool. There has been rotation between him and Matup. Now that's always going to be there. But for now, he looks like a good pick. They're playing Luton. And then has Fulham at home, Sheffield away and Palace away in 14, 15, 16. So could be benched for 12 and 13. But over the next six game weeks has four great fixtures. This week he has a 48% chance at a clean sheet. And is essentially a little mid-term to long-term hold. So it could be a fantastic pick this week. Second on that list is Regulon. Now I know he didn't start versus City. But it was very strange. Ten Hag came out and said that it was a tactical decision to play 
Evans instead of Iran, who we'll talk about, and Lindelof. So I ex- expect him to come back into the team for that Fulham fixture. And then even if he doesn't, he has to be back for Luton and Everton. They have a 36% chance at a clean sheet this week. Coming into that 10-12 to 12 manager section. Sticking with United and we have Maguire and Varane. And I still think it's in that order. I know it's, it's mad to say Maguire ahead of Varane, but Maguire seems kind of more nailed than Varane right now. As I said, Varane didn't start at the weekend. And again, tactical reasons. I think Ten Hag is going to be under a bit of pressure to change that up. To especially get Regulon in, you know, on loan, left back. And a big sign in of Varane. If he's going with Evans and Maguire, depending on who plays with them, over Varane, there's something wrong. I think there might be maybe something behind the scenes or maybe Varane's not totally fit. But even if he doesn't play, hopefully he'll be back for that Luton fixture. As I said, if not, there's definitely something wrong. So Varane and Maguire, two good picks for this week. I put Maguire ahead of Varane because he seems more nailed at the minute. In that 12 to 14 or 12 plus category, depending on what size you're in, we have a couple of options. We have three decent options, one long term and two more immediate ones. As I said earlier on in the podcast, Cresswell is back. Now, I know West Ham haven't had the best expected goals conceded, but as I said, he's on set pieces and he's with a a bigger team. The other two players over the long term are probably less likely to consistently keep clean sheets. Cresswell could be a good option long term. If we're looking at shorter term options, Ward versus Burnley is a good option. Ward played very high up and played essentially as a right wing back in game week 10, although he did score an own goal. And I think that might be a good thing for him because he might go under the radar, you know, due to his points or due to, you know, people seeing that he scored an own goal. But he's a captain. He's nailed. And he's picking up some solid positions. So even if um, Palace don't keep a clean sheet, he has some decent probability of returning just because of his position. 33% chance at a clean sheet, as I said. And then it's playing Everton, followed by Luton. So, yeah, bit of a midterm hold as well. Not only just this week, Everton, Luton, then plays West Ham and then Bournemouth. So in the next five, maybe there's two, three, even four fixtures that you could play him and think, Okay, I'll take a chance at my my clean sheet here. The last person I have on the list for the larger size leagues is Eight Nori versus Sheffield away. Again, played as like a left wing back high up the pitch versus Newcastle. Got a shot off, one shot off. He will probably be highly available. If not, any other Wolves defender is a good shout against Sheffield. Sheffield have been very poor. Wolves have a 36% chance at a clean sheet. Semedo, yeah, wing back, but it's so likely for a yellow card. Kilman or Dawson, also good options. But Aitnori might go under the radar a small bit because he has been injured, has been rotated. But in terms of attacking returns and the clean sheet, I think he's actually one of the better ones out of that Wolves defence. In our midfield section, in our smaller size leagues, 8-10, Kudos is my number one pick. Talked about him maybe two weeks ago. Has the start last week, played very well. We give all the reasons at the start of the podcast as to why he's a good pick. I'd be putting in number two. Sorry, number two. Number one. I'm looking at my number two. Palmer is number two. Again, we give all the reasons. Palmer, 
penalties, played very well, looks nailed, uh, still available in a good few leagues, I'd be getting him in, in preparation for them good fixtures, but also playing him and not being totally surprised if he returns. Third in that list is Rodri, playing Bournemouth this week. I know City have four tough fixtures after that. I know City are fixture-proof. Is Rodri fixture-proof? Maybe. But from game week 16 to 20, they're four very easy fixtures. So, Rodri, anyway into that City team. We got in through Bernardo last week, hopefully. I picked, up my, picked him up myself. Seven-pointer, lovely stuff. Rodri could be that last little way into the City team that will be consistent. Your likes of Lewis's and, you know, Kovacic and Nunez, they're just going to be too hit and miss. Rodri is our last solid pick for City, I think. Bournemouth this week is going to be a very good option. There was a question in, I think it's the second last question we have in the whole podcast. Michael, Michael I always call him Michael Van Gerwen. Morgan gives White for Rodri. What would you do? So I think it depends on you here, but let's get the lowdown. Let's look at the statistics. Morgan gives White has been better against the lesser teams. I know he's probably been frustrating to own against them big teams. If you look at his actually his rating on sofa score versus City and Liverpool, it's the only time he goes he's gone below seven in the last five games. So against them lesser teams, uh, it's same with most players, he has a better chance at returning. A one is also coming back, so another route to points might help him actually. If you want a kind of a more explosive player that has maybe a higher ceiling but will struggle against the better teams I'd go Morgan Gibbs White but if you want a steady Eddie Rodri is a great option two goals two assists already this season so it depends on what you want do you want the risk of or maybe the option of playing against poor teams and having to bench him and maybe a bit of a headache or do you want to pick and stick with Rodri in our mid-sized leagues we have a long-term pick in Johnson of Spurs Fully fit, back playing, played 26 minutes, came on, got an assist. I think Ange prefers him to Richarlison. I think Richarlison held down a spot there and I think Ange was fairly decent to him to give him the starts, even last week. Um, I think it was just down to Johnson's fitness. He offers more as a whole team player in terms of tracking. And uh, although Richarlison's actually been playing decent, I think Ange wants Johnson. So... Yeah, he still might get rotated over the next week or two and over the next while. But I think if you want a way into that Spurs side who are playing very good, might have a couple of tough fixtures, Johnson is a good pickup. Might already be picked up, but if not, and you have space for him and you're kind of willing to take that risk, he could be a great pick. Two other options have good fixtures immediately and for the next two or three. Jordan Ayew banged versus Spurs. And Jordan Ayew is kind of like a, a draft cult hero because he always comes in, comes out of teams depending on fixtures. Well, they have the fixtures. We talked about Palace's fixtures when we talked about Ward. And they have three out of the next four fixtures that are decent that you can play and, you know, in a bigger size league, you can be happy enough to play him and hope something happens. He is, and usually is, the highest forward player when, you know, likes of Olise and Eze are out. In terms of attack and threat, probably one of the better players for Palace that are available. Not going to be the greatest, not going to set the world alight, but, you know, always play the fixtures for me personally. Played well, can finish a ball, and is essentially nailed for Palace. I suppose on that point, we can start talking about Olise and Eze. 
when is it too early to bring them in? I think if you have space in your bench now, it's a good it's a good time because they're hoping to be back. I think they're predicting around the international break. That's game week 13, 14. They're two high value picks. If you have space and you can afford someone on your bench for the next two, three, at worst, four game weeks, I think uh, they'd be a very good option this week. If we look at more immediate players, third on that list of medium-sized leagues and fielders is McNeil. Recommended Harrison last week, so I presume he's going to be taken in majority of leagues. But McNeil has, ridiculously, the third highest expected assists per 90 of players that have played more than 450 minutes. FPL Mayer had a post up about all the players that have high expected assists, and McNeil is third. Everton haven't been that bad. Everton are seventh for non penalty expected goals this season they have been underperforming in front of goal and i think maybe this is the turning point especially that win against west ham that might give them the push on we said last week mcneil is on set pieces as well so yeah could be a good option in a um, medium-sized league as a midfielder if we're looking at larger size leagues kind of going down the pecking order we talked about two of these players previously brownhill and Osho are kind of mid-term holes uh, brownhill as i said above Osho. Osho, but if we're looking for shorter term holes and kind of attacking the fixtures over the next one, two, three game weeks, Will Hughes impressed me for Palace. Will Hughes played in the 10 for Palace and probably will be there for the next two or three game weeks while Olise and Eze are still out and played well. He's on set pieces and I know it's not much, but he racked up 0.2 expected goals involvement against a very good Spurs side. So if you want to weigh into that Palace side, maybe I use gone and you don't like Schlupp. Will Hughes is not a bad option. The last player I mentioned previously is Ben Rama. Probably will get the start this week due to the suspensions um, on the West Ham team playing Brentford. Brentford actually decent at the back. Sometimes play five at the back. So that's why I have him down the bottom of the list. And lastly, on to our strikers. Last question was, should I drop Jesus for Nkunku? Now, there's been an update on Kunku. Apparently, he's going very well. Should be back around the international break, if not sooner. So, what you have to now assess is Jesus versus Nkunku. I know Jesus is injured for the next, as I said, probably four game weeks. Who do you have? Do you take a chance on Nkunku, who hasn't played in the Premier League yet, but banged 16 goals last year, in a Chelsea side that would probably be coming into some of them good fixtures, but don't look great? Or do you hold out for Jesus? Very good Arsenal team. Nailed when he plays. Um, but is going to be out for the next four or five game weeks. For me, I'd like to take a chance. If I could get Nkunku in for Jesus, maybe I'd take a chance. They need a striker. He might be on pins. I'd say Palmer will probably stay on pins. But he seems more prolific. I know Jesus always gets a decent re- you know, returns in terms of uh, goals and assists. But why not? This is what the draft is for, having a bit of fun. I'd like to have Nkunku on my team. I actually picked him up in the draft night second, and then he obviously got that bad injury. So maybe that's my kind of, my bias taking over and saying I want him back and I want him to do well. But I'd probably go for it. Obviously, he's going to be a recommendation high on the the waivers this week if he wasn't taken last week. I think that positive news might kind of get people onto him. But if not, I'd be picking him up. And lastly, and probably least... Semenyo started and banged for Bournemouth. I know they aren't the best sides. Semenyo's been in and out with the team. Hopefully that performance will nail down a position. But 
yeah, if you're looking for a playing striker, maybe Semenyo might be a route into it. They have some tough fixtures, but in game week 13, they play Sheffield United. Now, maybe you just want him and hopefully he's still in the team by then and attack that fixture. But yeah, he's the only really striker I could pick out. And Dooney, again, we talked about him earlier, might be rotation risk, but Semenyo is kind of the more clear and obvious one. So hopefully, based on these suggestions, you can pick up a couple of these players and they can do well for you either this week or in the next coming weeks. As always, we appreciate your support so much. We love the interacting on Instagram, Twitter, and on the podcast, obviously. So, yeah, continue to send in the questions. Continue to give us any sort of feedback whatsoever. As I said, please do that service so that we can actually get more people in the T12, as well as give better content to you. So, as always, hopefully you get W's in them leagues and climb up the rankings. Draft Duo out.